My Car Guru, episode 228. Hello, folks, and welcome to this edition of My Car Guru. I am certainly hopeful that I can shed some light on a few things for you today. I know that that many consumers are concerned right now about inflation and what's going on in the economy. I know my uh, some of my investment accounts have been up and down and up and down, and I'm just kind of tired of watching it, so I'm just not going to anymore. I feel confident that uh, things will eventually return to normal. Maybe we will get another uh, interest rate bump or two. I don't know. It seems like the rate's going down, but I think they want to press down harder, so they'll probably go another half a point, and we'll see what that does. Uh, Car sales have been off overall. And I think some of that has to do with the uncertainty of what's going on in the economy and interest rates. But people get used to these little higher rates. You know, when, they, when they're ready to buy a car, they just go out and buy it. You know, I remember when uh, General Motors came out with a special low interest rate to, to stimulate the market. Uh, it was 13.9% APR. One year later, uh, they came out with a 2.9 APR. So, you know, these things come and go. So don't panic. Uh, I, I, I'm still trying to decide. I did sign up with the uh, the Ford Model E EV program, so I'm going to be a electric vehicle dealer in addition to just being a regular internal combustion hybrid dealer at my Ford and Nissan dealerships. So uh, I decided to sign up for that. Now I'm trying to decide whether to put my wife into one. Yeah, I know. I've been back and forth on this thing. I was going to give her a... EV, and then I said, oh, gosh, I don't know. I want to be able to travel in her vehicle. I'm certainly not going to hit the road on a long-distance travel with an EV. No thank you. Probably would if I had a Tesla, because then at least I'd know there are superchargers at specific locations and that they work. The rest of the EV charging infrastructure, not real reliable. So I'm not going to do that, but I'm, I might do a Mach-E just since I'm going to be an EV dealer. My brother ordered one and backed out for the very charging reasons that I was just giving you. And so I have to decide if I'm going to take that vehicle um, or sell it. And I think I'm going to take it. My computer keeps making noises. You know why? It's because I'm watching an auction. I am watch, watching the Bring a Trailer auction for a 22 Ford Mustang Mach-E, which is exactly what I'm thinking about driving. Now, this thing retail, let's see if I can find the window sticker on this thing. You know, when you list a vehicle on Bring a Trailer, if it's relatively new, you always want to post a picture of the window sticker. And here it is. This Mach-E is an expensive one. It's a 2022 GT all-wheel drive, and it lists for $72,170, yeah. It's pretty expensive for a car you can't take on a trip. Okay, so what's the current bid? Well, it's got six minutes to go. Just now hits the six-minute mark, and it's at 64022 Now, I'll let this run out. We'll see what it brings. I'm just thinking, you know, that's not real good because I have seen a lot of dealers paying anywhere from ten dollars to $15,000 over window sticker for these Mach-E's because they are so hot and so few and far between. Those are dealers that are buying them and turn around and selling them to customers. I know some of you are out there saying, how dare they? How dare they charge more than MSRP? Well, that's why they call it manufacturer's suggested 
retail price. It's not some commitment that we made. Now, the new um, Mach-E program that I signed up for, we have to have fixed pricing, and uh, it's pretty much MSRP. So uh, we actually pay, when we buy the vehicle from Ford, which car dealers do, we, we don't, you know, we are not a division of the Ford Motor Company. We are an independent franchisee of the Ford Motor Company. And uh, so we are allowed to sell their products. They send them to us. We pay for them. And then we can turn around and sell them for whatever we want to, but not the electric vehicles. We have to sell them for one price. So my cost on a, on a Mach-E is the same thing as the MSRP. And then they send us a, a basically a fee for selling the vehicle. That's a pretty generous fee. It amounts to about, I think it's about 7% of the selling price, which, you know, isn't awful. I remember back in the 70s, um, the average markup on a new Chevrolet was between 18 and 21%. The Corvettes were the highest at 21%. Uh, the margins have shrunk. But, you know, the dollar amounts have improved because cars have gotten way too expensive. So we got no activity. we got this... It, Auction ends in four minutes and two seconds now, and it's at 64022 So we'll just not talk about that for a minute, and we'll carry on with the discussion at hand, which is junk fees. What are junk fees? Well, you, you pay them all the time. Apparently, there's some a lot of entrapment that's going on online. Hidden fees. Uh, they have all kinds of interesting names for them. Uh, one of them is digital dark patterns. Have you ever heard of that? Digital dark patterns? Well, this is actually a category of pricing abuse that happens online. And apparently there's all kinds of little ways that you know you can get lost in the shuffle or basically get confused when you're buying stuff online and think that you're paying one price when in fact when you look at the bill that when it hits your credit card, or eBay account, or whatever, uh, you have paid more than what you thought. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that, that these uh, vendors and companies do this to you. Look it up. We're not going to dive too much into digital dark fees. We're going to talk about how the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, is coming after car dealer fees. So what are the fees that you, know, you have to pay when you're buying a car? Well, most people refer to the documentary fee or the processing fee. Is that a junk fee? Well, you certainly don't get any value for it. Um, I know when the when they first came out, the TAA, Tennessee Automobile Dealers Association, said that uh, you can start charging a small fee uh, that will cover your cost of title work and, you know, paperwork processing. Just like you know, when you go buy a house or something, they have all kinds of fees on mortgage fees and um, bank fees and appraisal fees. Who knows? Belly button lint fees. I was on the board of directors at a bank, and we had interest income, and we had fee income, and fee income was pretty substantial in a bank. And that everything from overdraft fee, you know, you, you can think of all the different things that you get hit with at your bank. I got one a statement the other day, and my account, account has gone inactive. It's at a bank that I didn't even know I had. You know, I think I had like three or $400 in there, and they take out, it looks like they've been taking out about $10 a month uh, for just an inactive account fee. Shame on them. 
But when it comes to processing fees or documentary fees that you see on dealer contracts, what happened was in the I guess when we first heard that we could charge fees, they were probably in the you know fifteen twenty dollar range, and then they just kept going up and up. And what the manufacturers were doing, you remember I mentioned that we had a tremendous amount of markup as far as a margin is concerned, anywhere from eighteen to twenty one percent. Well, they kept shrinking that, taking it away. Before we knew it, we looked up and we had a maximum of eight percent margin. And so it didn't cost any less to operate the dealership than it did. Matter of fact, it cost a whole lot more. So dealers had to figure out a way to generate more income. And one of those ways was to charge a processing fee. Well, banks did it. You know, we thought of all kinds of reasons to justify it. And there are a lot of costs involved that we, you know, we do things for consumers that they don't have to worry about, um, you know, like registration and all that. But, you know, when you... A lot of people say, well, I'll just go to the courthouse and buy my own tax if you're going to charge me extra to do it. But the documentary fees and processing fees are a part of life. And as I mentioned here before, they range anywhere from four or $500 up to over $1,000. And what does the consumer get for that? Nothing, really. It's, and, and people have asked me about my fee that we charge at my dealership, and they said, what is that? And I said, it's profit. Oh, really? It's extra profit? Yeah. You know, if I didn't have that, Quite frankly, there have been many years that I couldn't make any money if I didn't have processing fee. Well, that's sad. Well, some of them say, well, I don't care if you make any money. Well, I do. And so uh, every dealer charges them. It's important when you go to buy a car or when you look online, you scroll all the way down to the bottom. There, there'll be an asterisk beside the price, and it will, it will, give you, it will refer you to a footnote at the bottom of the page, you go down there and you can see what the processing fees are. But that's an important part of the purchasing price. I mean, five or $600 can make a big difference in somebody's monthly payment. But just about everybody charges. I don't think you're going to get away from that regardless of where you go. But there are other things that dealers charge for that um, the FTC says adds no value to the equation for the consumer. And another thing that they're really upset about is surprises. They don't like surprises. I like surprises if they're good surprises, but finding out that I ordered a Ford Bronco and originally it was going to be for MSRP. And then when the thing finally comes in after six, eight months, that's the way it was. You can get them quicker now probably, but you know, a year ago, it could be a year before your Bronco come in. All of a sudden you find out, well, these things have gotten really hot folks and you know, We've got people that will pay us a lot more for it than you. Matter of fact, we can get 15000 over sticker. But all we're going to ask you to pay is 10000 over what you originally agreed to and what we originally agreed to sell it to you for. How do you like that? Well, some people were cussing under their breath, but they wanted those Broncos so bad they just went ahead and bought, uh, bought them. And um, you know, others would say, take the Bronco and stick it. That's what I would have done. And that's about how nice I would have been about it. I don't think anybody, if I give somebody a price on something, I'm going to stick with it. I don't care if I am losing money. Uh, that happened to us a few weeks ago. We sold, we ordered an F-150 for somebody, and it was one of those long delays, you know, the chip delays. It took forever for that thing to come in. Okay, all of a sudden we get a notice that it's coming in, and so we went ahead and worked the numbers with the customer. Bad part was four months later, it finally did come in. During that four months, the values of full-size trucks and big SUVs have fallen a lot. 
And uh, we ended up, we had already uh, done the deal, basically. I mean, we already signed a contract. Matter of fact, he had already paid for the vehicle. And so we were stuck. We ended up losing about $4,000 on that deal. Yeah, it depreciated that much in that period of time. And so, uh, but we'll, we're going to stick to our guns. Most dealers won't. Well, I, I, that's not really fair. A lot of dealers won't. You know, they're going to renegotiate. You know, and your choice is either to re- renegotiate or walk away. And, of course, you can always threaten them with bad publicity, you know, like Facebook and, and uh, Google reviews and that kind of stuff. And with some dealers, that will, that will carry some weight. But the best thing to do is, well, I say the best thing, if you really want something really bad, you may just have to stretch and buy it. I think this is all changing right now, folks. The good news is that that the market is is getting better for the consumer. It's been a seller's market for a long time. And you know what? In the 45 years that I've been doing this, I've never seen a seller's market like this. Now, I've seen some hot products over the years. I remember when we were a Mazda dealer and RX-7s came out. I mean, that was a MSRP vehicle for probably five or six years. And then, then you know, the demand dropped off and people started discounting, or dealers started discounting them. But you just, I can't think of many examples, you know, where people were paying MSRP. Now, I think it's happened at, like, Honda stores and Toyota stores. You know, anytime a new hot product comes out, it's going to command a higher price, and then the demand falls off, and then they start discounting it. it that's the law of supply and demand, right? It's a law. It's a natural law. But I think the real focus of the junk fees are these surprise fees that are disclosed at a later stage in the in the purchasing process. I think when somebody, you know... I guess some people have complained, and the FTC has is listening now, and I'm glad. I really am, because any type of ancillary product that you buy, that you are forced to buy when you buy the vehicle, is to me that's an unfair trade practice and and should not be allowed. Um, it's just like if somebody says that a vehicle is certified, okay, a certified used car. So you buy it because it's a certified used car. They give you a price. It's $21,000. You come in to do the paperwork and say, okay, now you got to pay your certification fee. What? Yeah. this uh, It's certified, but you, in order to really lock the warranty into place on this, you got to pay us another $350. That is the epitome of a junk fee. You know, When you are given pricing up front, you sign a document and then the game changes when you go into the finance office. That's what the FTC is going after. Uh, that and obviously um, they may go after uh, processing fees, doc fees. I don't know. I don't see how they could allow banks and everybody else to do it and not let car dealers do it. But if they change the rules, then you know we'll just have to abide by that. One of the biggest FTC headaches for car dealers have been the FTC labels that go in the window of every used car. It says, as is... Uh, no warranty or warranty. And that's been going on, let's see, that was that's probably 30-plus years that we've had to put those in cars. I think that's important. You know, when somebody buys a used car, they need to know if it has a warranty on it. And you need to have something in writing. By the way, if you buy a used car, make sure you get a copy of that. If it says it has a warranty, it'll have the, the specifics of that warranty. And sometimes the dealership will just 
Uh, well, they won't always. Sometimes they'll just forget that uh, they promised you a warranty. What about this document? Then you're protected. Always have the documents. And if they put all your documents on a flash drive and you don't have a computer, they hand you this thing. It looks like a credit card, and it's got a little extension on it. What's this? Well, that's a copy of all your paperwork, so we don't have to print it out. Print it out. I don't want that. I don't have a computer. So make them print it out. I had a guy that happened to just a few weeks ago. Man, he got hammered. Um, He just wasn't paying attention. Speaking of paying attention, I need to take my first break. I'll be back here in just a minute. You know, there are some things that they're calling fake products in here that I, that's, to me, anything but fake. I mean, if you go into a finance office and they offer to sell you a protection package, and let's say that it protects you against the loss of your key fob. Do you know how much a key fob is? Well, I've seen some that are as much as $700 for a key fob. And then they have to be programmed, so you don't want to lose one of them. But if you do, you've got insurance here that you can buy from the dealership that will sell it to you. Now, as long as you don't overpay for it. But these protection packages also include tire and wheel protection. Uh, we had a gentleman that that slammed into a curve, curb. And I'm not sure exactly how he managed to do this. It, it must have been quite the shocking moment. But he bent both of his wheels and blew out his tires at the same time. He said he hit a curb. So anyway, we're replacing his front wheels. Guess how much? $1,500 each for the wheels and tires. So you've got key protection. You've got wheel and tire protection. And plus, if you go to the, to the bank teller window or around the gas station and you get too close to the concrete curb, I know you wouldn't do it. Your wife might. I'm just kidding. Um, then if you've got curb rash on your wheels, you can get them repaired as well. Um, what else do they have? Oh, the uh, dent and ding protection, so that if you get the door dings and so forth, you can get those taken care of at no cost. Well, except for the cost of the protection. Uh, and then fabric and paint protection. Now, this is where it gets a little shady. You know, if they're putting ceramic protection on your car and they're doing it right, then that's worth a lot of money. But if they're just going to spray some wax on there and a little bit of scotch guard on your seats that's typically way overpriced. They're probably using $15 worth of material and charging four or $500. Yep, that's a little bit usurious. So look at what's in the package and then just kind of figure it. I mean, can I pay for this whole thing for the cost of, you know, maybe a key fob? You know, if it was, if I could get all of that protection for my wheels, dents and dings, for, you know, key fobs, um, my fabric is protected for five years, my paint, is guaranteed for five years, and they use some kind of ceramic stuff on it. Is that worth five or six hundred dollars? Yeah, I would probably say it was. I mean, I don't know what you think. I'm not trying to sell it to you. I'm just thinking if you know if I went into the business and saw that, and they were presenting it to me, and I'm thinking about how expensive cars are and everything, I'd probably say that's okay. But not if it was like what this poor old gentleman paid for his package. Uh, and you know, you can tell what the package was based on what it was labeled on the on the bill of sale. It said Secure Edge. He paid $4,000 for that. Why? Because he wasn't paying attention. So pay attention. Okay, I'll take my last break. Be back here in just a minute. You know, you can be tuned into the Home Shopping Network and pay too much for something and pay excessive shipping and handling fees 
I mean, there's all kinds of ways to get taken advantage of if you're not paying attention. And and some people say, well, it's safer online if I buy my car online. Well, you know, you may make all a lot of the arrangements online, but then you go into the dealership and the game changes. And a lot of people just go ahead and say, well, shoot, you know, we drove all the way here. Let's go ahead and do it. Um, I, don't, I don't know. That's up to you. That's your decision. But if somebody... I would have somebody fax me or email me a final copy of the bill of sale. I want to see what it says before I go to Alpharetta, Georgia, to pick up a vehicle. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to have the documentation in my hand. And I'm going to say, now, let, if I come all the way down there and the price changes one penny from what you guys sent me, we're going to have a problem. And so. Uh, hopefully they'll stick to it. But if, if they're signed on the contract, it's a contract. Now, what if you go down there and they say, well, we really can't do it. We sold. Matter of fact, we sold that car to somebody else. What do you do? Well, you're stuck. And that's one of the reasons I say you need to buy local. Uh, you know, if you've got a dealer that's in your same town, buy from him. Now, if he doesn't sell what you want, then, you know, go up the road a little bit and buy a Honda or Toyota or whatever. But just make sure you're dealing with local people that you can drive into you know, this idea of, of saving five or $600 to drive to Des Moines, Iowa to, to save money on something, I'm sorry. I'd rather buy from a local guy, get to know them, find out their names and, you know, how many kids they have and, you know, get to know them a little bit. And when I have a problem, I, I got somebody that I can go in and talk to. There's value in that. I think too many people are just so separated from normal human relations that they think they don't need them that they don't need to interact with other human beings. Let's just text or let's just email and keep all the personal stuff out of it. That's hogwash to me. Interact with human beings. We're, we're human still. Let's take advantage of that. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. If you need me, call me 423-552-2020 or send me a text. And I will be more than happy to answer your questions about your car life and the things, the issues that you are facing, whether it be trying to trade a car, buy a car, sell a car, get it serviced. You've got some big mechanical issue that you need some advice on. I'll be glad to help you with that, too. I've been doing this a while, and that's what my mission is. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.